In November of 2004, the Ellsworth family received the worst news they could. Their son, Lance Corporal Justin Ellsworth, had been killed in Iraq. His father, John, joins the show to talk about his son's heroic final actions and how his legacy lives on today. This family understands service before self, and I am honored to have this conversation today. John Ellsworth, welcome to Pick Up the Six podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. I appreciate it. We first met in 2010. My wife and I had moved to Washington, D.C., and I was working for an organization called Military Families United, uh, still one of the greatest experiences of my life, and I'm incredibly grateful for the work that they did to honor the fallen. John, we're going to meet your son and hear his story, uh, but I want to talk about your service before self a little bit, because as I look at you yeah. today, you are wearing uh, the uniform uh, protecting your home community. You are the chief of police of Wolverine Lake, which is in Michigan. So, Chief, thank you for that. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, yeah, this is my 35th year. Um, it's hard to believe it's uh, been that long. But, yeah, it's, I'm coming to the close, and I'm kind of uh, bittersweet about that. You know, I, I love serving my community. I have a great community here. Um, and I think uh, the love is mutual. I think you know, we both, uh, we have a great uh, community. We have a great group of people. Um, one of my biggest uh, accomplishments, I guess, is uh, I hire great people. I don't hire good cops. I hire good people and we make them good cops. Mm. And uh, that's always been my motto is they can come in here with a stellar uh, resume, but uh, if they don't fit the criteria as a good person necessarily, um, we're going to pass. So, um, you know, that's kind of the way I built uh, around this is to me, it's not work. And I don't want to say that too loud because they'll they'll keep me around forever. But uh, it it isn't. It's been a, an absolute love affair with this community, uh, with the job I'm able to do. And I'm able to serve and protect and do a lot of good for the community. And, it, and we do a lot of partnerships in it. It's really neat. You know, instead of handing out tickets, sometimes I hand out little coupons for uh, free ice cream cones. If I see kids out playing in the, in the ball fields and instead of inside on the computer, I'd much rather uh, go up and approach them and talk to them and give them a couple of coupons for ice cream. And uh, that's the kind of stuff we do. And, and to me, that's really sweet. You're like, I'm going to have to give you a moving violation. You're going to have to move on to the ice cream shop and pick up a few cones. Exactly. I yep. love that. What led you to that, John? Um, you know, growing up, I grew up uh, on a farm right outside mid Michigan, uh, in the farm country, did a lot of work in the fields and, and my dad was, uh, a farmer, but he also worked for the federal government a poultry research lab at MSU in Michigan state university. And, uh, my dad always told me, he said, son, you want to get a job where you take a shower before you go to work, not after you go to work. And I kind of thought about that. It's kind of like, well, I I, I kind of get that. Um, I was a mechanic when I was going through college. Um, I liked working with my hands. Obviously, working on out in the country on the farms, uh, you do a lot of that, and it came natural. But I did really want to serve. Um, and at that time, it was, you know, late seventies, early eighties. There wasn't uh, anything as far as military uh, going on, and so I kind of I had a brother-in-law and a couple of friends that were in law enforcement and. Uh, Went on a ride along and I was hooked. Where else can you drive around in a brand new car, not have to pay for gas, cruise around, but always go where the action is. It's kind of like, ah, uh, yeah, okay. 
you know, I listened to the radio working midnights. I did that for 17 years. So, you know, I paid my dues, but, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, uh, my younger years as a police officer were a lot of fun. There was a lot of action, a lot of things going on. Um, I, uh, came, um, you know, this area where I'm at now is more of a resort area, but we're also in a suburb of Detroit. So we still get our action. We still get a lot of things going on and we, uh, have a lot of opportunity to uh, to uh, get our hands dirty, as it were. So, but you know, I absolutely love what I did uh, the last thirty five years. I'm going to go a couple more, I think, and uh, then I want to go be a, a papa. I want to be a, go be a grandpa. So, uh, you know, I, I think I've earned it after all that. But uh, and it's taken me longer than I wanted to to uh, become a grandpa, but. Uh, so yeah, well, sir, uh, I think it it is a role that will uh, will suit you well uh, when the good Lord deems it is your time and ready to uh, to take take on that mantle. It will yep. absolutely uh, suit you well. We're going to talk about November two thousand and four here in a minute, but before we do that, I want to get to know Justin. I want to know. I want our listeners to know who he was. So tell us about your son. And uh, Justin was uh, Chip just your typical Midwestern boy with a touch of cowboy flair, if it were. Um, he loved uh, being himself. He was a uh, average student. He wasn't uh, brilliant in any particular subject, but he was very uh, fun-loving, um, very inclusive. He had a lot of wide variety of friends and he could fit in in just about any situation, whether it be at the country club or uh, picking rocks out in the fields of the farm. He, he was just a really good kid. You know, he loved his cowboy hats and cowboy boots. That was mm-hmm. him. And if you ever had a chance to meet him, uh, you would see him in one or the other or both uh, during different times. You know, he wore his cowboy boots to graduation. He, uh, right after graduation, he removed his graduation cap and put on his cowboy hat and everybody recognized who he was then. So, but that was just the type of kid he was in, you know, he gave it his all anytime he did anything. You know, he was not a large by stature person, but he had a very large personality at, uh, five foot four and 160 pounds. He played linebacker. Whoa. Now, if you think about that, he played like he was six foot 250 but at five foot four 160 pounds um he played very hard so he was a a good kid like i said small in stature but very big uh personality wise and he definitely if you met justin he was your friend and uh always the peacemaker amongst his friends of uh you know, as they do in high school, they, they friends spat back and forth. Justin was always the one to bring them together. And that was, I heard that many, many times uh, after he was uh, killed. You know, a lot of people come to me and said, you know, if it wasn't for Justin, I wouldn't have, you know, been friends with these people the rest of my you know, life because they brought him back, brought them back into my life. So uh, I'm very thankful Justin impacted a lot of people in a short amount of time. You know, we had the distinct honor to sit with uh, Dan Murphy, father of Lieutenant Michael Murphy, Medal of Honor recipient and and, uh, incredible American as well. And there's an underlining theme there as well at at an early age where Mike was one that brought people together, unified, protected him, hearing very similar 
things about Justin. I, I love the I love the cowboy stuff as well. Yeah. You know, in the middle of yeah, the- he was he was uh he was quite the cowboy. Um, yeah, yep, I've, I've shown uh, shown a picture of Justin. That's his senior one of his senior pictures, and so he's got the black he was, black uh, cowboy hat on, the black shirt, looking great. Black cowboy hat. Uh, the white belt buckle, you know, the kind you could use as a plate if you needed to. I mean, he was just that type of guy. Yeah. He loved that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, there's uh, he loved there was a country singer named Chris Ledoux. And Chris Ledoux is not he wasn't very well known. Um, he was more of a secondary country, but he was also a bull rider, very uh, prominent in the uh, Western uh, U.S., and uh, Justin took a liking to him, and he uh, he often uh, followed one of his songs that said, "You know, sit high in the saddle, you know, and keep your eyes fixed on the on the horizon where the where the trail meets the sky." And uh, that's what Justin did. Is he often, you know, he would always pick himself up after any time he didn't feel he did his best. He'd pick himself back up and refocus again. And he was just that type of kid. You remember when he started talking about wanting to go into the military, one join the Marine Corps? Take me back to that moment. Yeah, that was uh, it was interesting. It was uh, the fall of 2002. Uh, we were working on his truck. He had a big Bronco truck. And uh, he says, Dad, he said, I think I want to join the military. This is his senior year in high school. Uh, and he said, I, I, we were talking about future and savings for a college and what we we're going to do. And he said, Dad, he said, I think I want to join the military. And I said, kind of stopped because that was the first time he'd ever mentioned it. I said, okay. So what branch? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I'll tell you what. You do your research and you get back to me. Now, it was, I don't know, four or five months later. He, We were doing something together and he stopped and looked at me and says, I know what it is. I said, you know what what is? I mean, this is five months later. What are you talking right. about? Right. He said, I know, I know what branch of the military I want to join. And I about dropped my tool. What are you talking about? He says, well, I can join the Air Force. I can join the Army. I can join the Navy or even join the Coast Guard. But I can become a Marine. And I stopped and I looked at him. And uh, I said, where's your recruiter? He said, he's outside. And I said, <laughs> okay. So I'd already know that he'd, he'd made up his mind. He wanted to do that. And. And he'd bought into the Marine culture, which is good. Um, and uh, he went off the next year in 2003 after he graduated high school. He left in September and graduated just before Christmas, which gave us the opportunity to spend that Christmas together. So Christmas of 2003, we spent together. Um, he had to be back New Year's Day, 6 a.m. at uh, Camp Pendleton in California. So um, that was good especially for a 20 year old kid. Actually at that time he was 19. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't want him out running the streets on New Year's Eve in California anyway. So, uh, so we we were able to spend the Christmas together and it was really nice. And I went out and saw his graduation and, and uh, took a a ton of pictures and um, you know, and then he went back and finished up and went to his MOS, which is combat engineer. he was assigned to the Seventh Engineering Battalion uh, out of Camp Pendleton and and Charlie Company. He was, and he loved every minute of it. So mm-hmm. he, uh, go ahead. No, uh, please. I was going to say, you know, he 
he loved every minute of it. You know, he came home when he came back from his MOS, he had some time off. Uh, so when he came back from his MOS training, he said, dad, I'm a, I'm a demolitions expert. I said, son, you're 19 years old. You're not an expert at anything. <laughs> Just wait. And he said, no, dad. He said, I can do a lot of things. And he, I'm sure he could. And, but at that age to see the confidence that uh, they had given him and, um, uh, you know, that was, uh, he came back in, uh, in, uh, July, uh, after his MOS and he was there for my, his grandparents, 50th wedding anniversary and his 20th birthday. And, uh, and then we went camping for a couple of weeks. So, um, he came, he was there for probably almost three weeks. And he said, you know, he had already got his orders where he was going, he's going to be deployed, uh, to, uh, Iraq and, uh, to support at that time, um, in Iraq. So, uh, you know, we had many conversations. We actually spent the last week, uh, me and him camping together up, uh, on Grand Traverse Bay and, uh, where we had spent uh, his every year of his life, we actually went camping up there. So it was good to be able to have a little normalcy. We talked about his fears and talked about, you know, he's well, not concerned. I got guys on my left and guys on my right. We all take care of each other. And, and I was very confident in his abilities and um, he was too. So, but uh, he deployed, he left uh, uh, late September. I'm sorry, early September, September 5th, I believe he left Camp Pendleton. He arrived uh, in Germany on September 9th. He sent me an email in the middle of the night. Um, that's how we were going back and forth or talking back and forth is through emails. And then uh, I got a quick, about a 30 second phone call from him on September 11th. He'd arrived at Camp Fallujah. So, you know, it was, uh, it was very interesting um, because going back to September 11th of 2001, when uh, mm -hmm. we were attacked, um, just two weeks before, we had spent uh, part of our summer vacation in Washington, D.C. So we had actually were standing on the steps of the Pentagon on, um, on the, uh, in the last week of August uh, in 2001. And then my father, on the very same day, was at the top of the World Trade Center with uh, his granddaughter, my niece. Um, and we had talked back and forth on our Nextels. Uh, at that time, we had the two-way radios. And so we had talked back and forth. And then two weeks later, they were both in smoldering ruins. And I think that really had a profound effect on Justin. Uh, and so for him to arrive uh, in Camp Fallujah on September 11th, uh, and for everything to work out the way it did, it was very, uh, very interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, when Justin decided that he was going to uh, – uh, going to the Marine Corps, um, we had made a date for him to get sworn in at the uh, MAPS, which is the Military Enlistment and Procurement Services in Lansing. And I met him up there so we could watch him get sworn in. And uh, that was on March 19th of uh, 2003. And at 1.30 in the afternoon, Justin was sworn in. And we all know what happened later on that night. Is that correct? Do you remember what happened on March 19, 2003? Oh, man. You're going to put me on the spot. I don't. Tell me. President Bush was on TV announcing that we were at war with Iraq. So the very same day Justin was sworn in the Marine Corps, 
uh, 1.30 in the afternoon uh, at, uh, actually it was about 9.30 that night, mm -hmm. President Bush was on TV saying we were at war. Uh, we had a very long conversation that night, um, knowing that we were building up to that. Um, Justin's idea was, hey, the last one lasted 100 hours. What's this one going to last? He said, I got to go. I got to graduate high school. I got to go through boot camp, go through my MOS training. This is all going to be over before it's done, you know, before I'm even out. Well, obviously, it didn't work out quite like that. So after Justin arrived uh, in Fallujah on September 11th, we'd have conversations occasionally. And uh, the last time I actually talked to him was on November 1st. And Justin had told me uh, that they were removing a lot of the communication lines from Camp Fallujah. Um, there's a lot of things going on. And he said, I won't be able to talk to you until after Thanksgiving. And I said, okay. And he said, there's a lot of things going on. He said, there's a lot of moving parts. And uh, we're going to be going out in the field doing some things. And, and at that time, there was a lot of conversation of whether or not we should even be there. And so I flat out asked him, I said, Justin, you know, should we be there? He says, Dad, we're making a difference. I can see the faces of the lies I say every day. And uh, so that to me, that just reaffirmed uh, my support of his decision. And I am, you know, I still do. Uh, obviously, we wish it would have turned out different, but uh, he was, uh, he, he did what he was supposed to do. And, uh, you know, it's in God's hands now. Yep. But uh, yeah, on November 13th, 2004, at about 1 30 in the afternoon, their time, uh, Justin came across. Uh, he was a combat engineer. He was actually assigned to the 2nd Recon Battalion. So it was uh, wh what he called, uh, and pardon my friend, he was what he called a badass unit. He said that he was, he really enjoyed being with them. But uh, he had come across a reading on his uh, metal detector and he cleared the area, um, uncovered it, and it was uh, three uh, mortar rounds wrapped in deck cord and it was triggered by a cell phone. And he cleared the area and tried to dis dis disassemble it because it was so close to a uh, a base, a field base, forward operating base. And uh, they cleared it uh, as best he could. And um, what happened was it went off. Um, the, uh, there were terrorists nearby that saw what was going on and uh, they activated the cell phone, which blast, caused the blast to kill Justin. Uh, Justin blocked the blocked the blast with his body, and uh, the Marine Corps saved or credit him with saving uh, up to 15 lives that day. Um, I have since met with several of the guys that whose lives he did save. Um, one was his partner as a combat engineer. His name was Kyle Blumenstock. Um, lost his hearing, uh, lost some vision, uh, had obviously some blast uh, scars. Um, but we still remain uh, friends to this day. He actually spent last Memorial weekend with me. So uh, this year, we're not going to be able to get together, but uh, he's still in my my thoughts and prayers. Um, he lives just outside of Columbus, Ohio, and he's raised a family. And uh, he's able to do that because of Justin. And he gives full credit to Justin for that. And for that, I'm thankful. 
I'm thankful for um, the opportunity that I've had to meet others, uh, the opportunity to become a voice for a lot of people um, and, uh, you know, support our military. You know, to this day, we still have our National Gold Star Family Registry, which is a uh, comprehensive database of all of those who have been killed in action from World War II to the present. Um, I get updates every day that I add on there. Um, thank goodness I haven't had to add any um, recently, um, but uh, we're always adding photographs and stories. So if anybody wants to read uh, about uh, Justin's story or another uh, fallen hero's story, they can go to the goldstarfamilyregistry.com or .org. Either one will take you to the registry, and you, then you just search their name. And just simple, put in their first and last name, and up, up it'll come. So, and that's a very satisfying thing for me to know that what we created with Military Families United is still around, and we're still doing it. Um, and uh, it's it's going to be the legacy that I want to leave behind. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important to not only take time uh, to say things like we never forget and we honor the fallen, um, but for those of us back home, uh, in a way of real remembrance and respect of those who have laid down their life, paid that ultimate price, or for families like John's, to, to, to with real intentionality, think about it, learn about it, hear those stories. Um, it's, it's incredibly moving. Goldstarfamilyregistry.com is, is that site, that database. And guys, you can go in there over Memorial Day weekend. And I, I urge you to do it. Maybe even put your hometown in, see who comes up. Or put in names that you've heard on this show and read their stories. You can read a lot more about the legacy and the impact that Justin left behind. John has words in there. His family has words in there. His battle buddies have words in there. His sister wrote really powerful words that are in that registry as well. And John, we don't need a, to dwell on, on that moment. I mean, it changes your life. It changes your family's life forever. That five foot four, 160 pound kid uh, who was probably playing out of position, <laughs> playing linebacker by no surprise absorbs that blast and saves, uh, saves all those lives. And sir, we thank you for that. We don't take it for granted. Uh, and we're so grateful for his sacrifice. How soon after he he was gone, did you feel that motivating pull to do more, to do something about it? Because you end up as the chairman of Military Families United. You're very integral in, in advocating for and, and uniting families who, who are in this same fraternity that you are in and, and one that nobody ever asked to be in. How quickly did you feel like after he was gone that, that you, you had to, you wanted to keep doing something more. Well, you know, I, I was kind of, uh, called out by, uh, um, a, uh, at the time he was a Lieutenant Colonel in the army. Um, he was a, um, uh, Jag officer, his name, and he was also a Senator from Iowa. His name was Chuck Larson. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chuck Larson, uh, did a lot of good uh, with a organization he started when he was over in Iraq called Operation Iraqi Hope. I don't know if you've ever heard that. That's actually where our foundation came from. But uh, Chuck said, hey, look, <laughs> you have a voice. Uh, you need to make a difference um, and uh, use your uh, 
use your pain and your loss for good to be able to serve others like Justin would want. And uh, we had a long, long conversation. We met in uh, Washington, D.C. in September of 2005. And that's really when it started. Uh, when we got back home, me and my wife talked about it. I said, you know, that was very, uh, it was a catalyst because we all came back feeling, okay, I'm not by myself. I'm not alone. And that was the first time I had felt that. And it had been almost a year. And so we felt that that was a very important thing to do is bring others together. And so we started planning it. And other people, when they got home, they said the same thing. So that was the start of, uh, at the time, it was Families United for Our Troops and Their Mission. And uh, it's since, obviously, been simplified to make it Military Families United. And uh, the reason we did that is it says exactly what we are. We are united behind our military to help our families. You know, we have a, a motto, and it's remained the same throughout, and it's honor the fallen, we support those who fight, and we serve their families. Now, to honor the fallen, we have the National Gold Star Family Registry. Uh, support those who fight. Um, in the last 10 years, we've sent over 10,000 packages to our troops still serving overseas. Um, so we do uh, things like that on a regular basis. Um, serve their families. Uh, we've done lunches and dinners. Um, we've had weekend retreats. Uh, we've brought in financial counselors, uh, peer peer counselors, uh, other military members can assist us and uh, just talking to the families and uh, letting them know that their feelings are normal and, you know, kind of talk them off the edge a little bit. There's a lot of families out there that absolutely go crazy with everything from, you know, they're going to build this huge monument uh, in honor of their child. It's not necessary. And that's some of the things we try to do is, is talk them off the ledge a little bit from doing some of the crazy things that, that they sometimes can do. So uh, we bring a little hope. We bring a little support. Uh, we bring a little um, levity. I mean, we, we do get together and we let them know it, it's okay to laugh. And it's okay to cry. And it's okay to do those in the same breath sometimes. And we do. But more than anything, um, just to know that they're not alone. And that was one of the biggest things that I had to learn is there are other dads out there who feel the same way. Now, there's other organizations out there for the moms, we all know, um, but there really wasn't much for the dads or the brothers or the sisters or the cousins or the aunts or the grandparents. And we made sure we included everybody. And we do. We still do that. Um, we're going to have a, a dinner on a riverboat this summer with all of them invited. So we're going to have... And we'll have 200 people there from all around the state of Michigan, for example, just to get together and see each other. We talk about our heroes. We laugh. We sometimes cry. And again, it's, that's okay. But we also catch up. And it's amazing uh, what I've gone through and where I'm at in the grieving process after 17, almost 17 years. Um, I still have my days, as you probably should. But at the same time, you know, I can recognize when other people have those days and we try to help them through that. Mm -hmm. And I get phone calls sometimes in the middle of the night because I have to leave my phone on because of my job. But people just need need to hear me say it's going to be OK. And uh, it's good. I mean, it's from what we've been able to do, what we've uh, accomplished. Um, it's very 
um, therapeutic for me to be able to do that. And uh, I just remember where it all comes from. You know, I'm, I'm, I was blessed to have Justin for 20 years. And that's the way I have to look at it. God blessed me with my son for 20 years. And, uh, you know, before he was gone. So uh, there's a lot of people out there that don't get an opportunity to be a parent. And, uh, you know, Jessica is, is my daughter. Uh, you know, she was 10 when he was gone. And the last thing she has to him is a voicemail message because I made Justin call back when Justin said, Hey, we're taking the communications out. I made Justin call back and leave a message for her sister because she wasn't home. So we left it on the answering machine that she was supposed to do good in school. And, uh, she was, that he was very proud of her and uh, that kind of carried her through. So and if you read some of the stories on the national gold star family registry, it, you'll see the love she has for him. And, uh, you know, they were 10 years apart, uh, age wise, but she loved and respected him, and uh, she misses him terribly, especially during uh, solemn occasions, sometimes, you know, birthdays. Uh, you know, right now she's going through a lot of stuff with her foster care. Uh, she's got two, two kids. She knows that Justin would have just loved. Justin loved kids. And uh, she knows that, uh, you know, she's teaching them about Uncle Justin. So uh, that's, you know, it's it's hard for a parent to see your children go through that. But uh, at the same time, he's not forgotten and uh, we still honor him. And this weekend is uh, obviously Memorial weekend. We want to make sure that uh, the men and women that have given their ultimate sacrifice are remembered. And that's what this weekend is for. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I'm glad you brought that up. My, my last question for you is around that it is taking time. And we've talked about it throughout taking time to be intentional this weekend. Guys, you can go out and barbecue and go to the pool and go to the beach and do all those awesome things. You get to do that because of Justin Ellsworth. You get to do that because of the thousands and thousands of names that live inside that Gold Star Family Registry. That's why you get to do that. Remember that this weekend. John, for our listeners, if and when they meet someone whose family member has paid that ultimate price, what should they say? What can they say in that moment? Because it's happened to you quite a lot. What can they do? It has, it has. And one of the things I encourage others to do that are, are not as familiar with Gold Star families or someone who's lost a loved one in the war or someone who's lost a loved one, period, is talk about them. Ask about them. You know, tell me, tell me about them. I, I want to hear their story. And you know what? It might seem like you're upsetting us because we have tears in our eyes when we talk about them. It's a mixture of pride. It's a mixture of that tinge of sadness that they're no longer here. But at the same time, we want to be able to say their names. We want to be able to tell their stories. And uh, so it's, don't be afraid to ask them. Uh, some are going to be ready to talk about it. Some are not, mm -hmm. but that's okay. But if you avoid that and will pretend that it didn't happen at all, it, it, hurts the families to think that that life didn't matter so if you get an opportunity to say hey tell me about your son or if you see that gold lapel bin the gold star lapel pin on their on their jacket or their shirt say hey tell me about your hero and be prepared because again they're going to laugh they're going to cry all the emotions are going to be there but they want to tell that story yeah 
uh, it's important to be able to say their names, especially this weekend. So if you see uh, a Gold Star parent, ask them about your hero. Talk to them about it. I think it's very important. Chief, we're so incredibly grateful that you take time to share the story of your hero. He was Lance Corporal Justin Ellsworth, the cowboy from Michigan. Mm -hmm. We're so grateful for that. Chief, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it, Brian. Good luck with in the future. Thank you, sir. He's John Ellsworth. I'm Brian Jodis, and this has been Pick Up the Six Podcast.